And I have a few words that I want to share with you, and then I want us to pray. I've got a big challenge for you as a congregation. Read this scripture that we've been using on the Stirred Up series. Read it. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So it's important to consider one another. Don't just, you know, you're you're not going to struggle so much with what to do when you look around and the heart of Christ is within you. But also consider one another in that we are one body, that we are the church of the Lord Jesus. So I want us to read some more scripture. And last week uh, as well, I had you read some scripture and I've been challenged to read to you scriptures that you don't like to read. Okay. (laughs) It's like, I don't really, that doesn't make any sense. I I hear people say all the time, you know, like the Bible is, you know, you have to be careful when you're reading the Bible, you know, maybe you should be careful to read the Bible, you know? So you ready? Ephesians 5, verse 21. You ready? Read with me. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Stop. Read that again. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. His body, of which he is the Savior... Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Are all of the women still in the room? All right. Now, you need to continue to read this because some of you have only read that. You did read that first opening line, didn't you? First, he said, submit to one another. So now we're going to talk about how you submit to one another. In everything. Okay? But if it starts with wives, submit. Okay, you heard that. Stop it, pastor. Okay. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Why did Christ die? To make you holy. Cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loved his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. Anybody ever told you you need to love yourself okay but did you hear this also you should love others as yourself what verse 30 for we are members of his body now read this rest read it with me in completion for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Did you hear it? Are you still okay? When was the last time you and your wife sat down and read that? Just last Sunday? Look at you guys. You've been married for what? A week? One week? 
Got one week here, got one day back there. This is so fun. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge our great need of you. We humble ourselves before you. Say that. We humble ourselves before you. We reverently come before you in awe. We humble ourselves and we acknowledge our need to partake of this word. Change us. Use us. Heal us. Humble us. Restore the church. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You can be seated. I spoke last week about the best is yet to come. Was anybody here last Sunday for that? Wow. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, Hebrews 12, 28, let us be thankful. Read this next line. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Read that. Worship God how? Acceptably in reverence and awe. That's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Uh, For God is a consuming fire. What is God? All right, so God is hot, amen? And how many want to be consumed by God? All right, so, I mean, there's fire, and I would prefer to be consumed by God, okay? Anybody else? I can't get away from the scripture, and a lot of it, of this, this, this teaching, is when we, we hear this, worship God acceptably, say that again, worship God acceptably in reverence and awe. Uh, and, then, and then we pulled out this morning uh, and let the song that I sing be the life that I live. You know, as, as I read the word, let that word that I read become my life. And that's acceptably. But he also says these words about reverence and awe. Has anybody ever heard that God is a holy God? Does anybody believe that he is holy? Is that still acceptable? Somebody say holy, holy, holy. In fact, he's not holy. He's holy Holy, holy. And so we are told to worship him acceptably. So does that mean that everybody needs to learn how to play the keyboard? Does that mean that everybody needs to learn to play the cymbals and the drums? Does everyone need to shout? I'm not saying that we should not sing. I'm saying that if all you do is sing, but your life does not, is not a reflection of his holiness, Do you hear what I'm telling you? That the way that I live my life should bring glory. Worship is a calling of your life, not your Sunday morning song service alone. We've been privileged to come into a relationship with our creator father. But remember God, who is Abba, is also fearful. How many know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? Has anybody read this before? And and I said, what am I supposed to do? You're supposed to recognize who God is. He is holy. He is holy. He is righteous. He is mighty. He is almighty God. He is almighty creator. He's not just another religion. He's not. Again, I walked through the Lynn Haven Mall the other day. I think I told you. I looked over. There was this tattoo store and they've got Buddhas all over it. And it looks like, you know, just so you know, I don't worship Buddha. I don't kneel to Buddha. If you're going to do yoga, change the terms. I didn't get any amens right there. Don't, don't, don't play. Don't get, don't get, no, well, but yoga is so good. You know, God is so good. Okay. 
Sometimes as believers, because somebody thank God for his grace, we often work way too hard trying to escape the teaching of the fear of the Lord. Yes, he is good and yes, he loves us, but we are in relationship, that we are in a relationship with him does not mean that he has called us to eliminate his awesomeness. He is not, God is not your homeboy. Did I get, yes. We should worship him with extreme reverence. Yes. Now maybe we don't know what that means, but again, worship words are so much more than singing songs. A great translation of worship is a lifestyle of believers who carefully obey him and give him recognition as God and give him full honor. A call to unity, to prayer, and to action is something that I asked for this past week. That's, the, that's what believers should do. When, when we say, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. I just don't like all those other Christians. You need to get over yourself because God has called us to be united as one body. And to prayer, you say, but I don't want to pray. What do you mean you're saved, but you don't want to pray? That's like saying, I'm married, I just don't want to talk to my husband. And I want to continue in this calling today as we talk about the mystery of Christ and the church. I had a more cute title that I think I tossed on your notes, The Mega Mystery. Say it, the mega mystery. For we are members, for, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. We read this a moment ago. And the two will become one flesh. Now look at this. This is a profound translation. Mega. Mega. Okay, mega. Uh, you know, give me some words that start with mega. Megaphone. Okay, what? Mega, mega what? Mega man, go ahead. Mega church, mega church, mega church. We always use these, but any anytime we're talking about large, we're talking about strength, we're talking about power, right? What? The omega. Go ahead, go ahead. Alpha and omega. Amen. We're talking about largeness, but look what he says. This, when I talk about a man leaving his father and mother and being united to his wife, if you got married. You are an example. The concept of marriage is a God thing. And it is intended for you to understand the profound mystery of Christ and the church. Jesus. Have you ever wanted joy in your life and couldn't find it? Anybody ever been there before? Or peace? In your life and not found it. Have you been in situations where you just felt like everything has went wrong, absolutely wrong? How many know God will use those times to draw you close to him? Anybody know that? How many know sometimes we can be in another mess and you look back and say, I don't know why this happened. God must not like me. And it might be a possibility that you have positioned yourself for everything but the blessing of God. Is that heavy? No, God is gracious. He always, yeah, he blesses you. Rain is a blessing. 
Rain, it rains on the just and the unjust. People who are not rises in the sunsets. You know who he does that for? For all of us. Somebody take a deep breath. Go ahead. That is a gift of God's grace. But he is so awesome and so holy that there are times in our life where the mess that we are in has something to do with the relationship that we have ignored. Amen. Anybody have one of these cool little phones? Anybody got one? Okay, so, I mean, a lot of people have them because they're watching. It's so cool because you can, this is a phone, but it's not like the phone that I had when I was a boy. We had a party line, and there was one phone hanging on a wall in the house, and somehow it could ring in my house, and while I'm talking, uh, Sister Violet down the road might also pick up the phone and talk on it, all right? And uh, what, can you get off the phone? That's, that was a party line. Anybody old and remember party lines? Okay, so, but then, I mean, we got past that, and then we had a phone that you could push buttons on, okay? I mean, it went from the rotary to push button that was so cool. I mean, I thought, we're on the verge of Star Trek, and then we got the... And then we got, you know, these digital phones in our homes where you could actually see who was calling before you answered. You had to pay a little extra to know that in the day. And then they actually had call messaging where somebody could leave a message so you didn't have to have the cassette tape player hooked up to your phone like we did at one time. Somebody, any, come on. Where are my old folks in the house right now? Where are you? All right. So somebody said, I ain't so old, but I remember that. And then they upgraded. They started this thing where you could actually take a phone with you. It was a big suitcase, and it was a phone about this big with an antenna on it. And you saw rich people standing around with those things. You know, I didn't have one, but uh, okay, maybe you weren't rich. I don't know. But then they came to a very tiny phone. It was a flip phone. That was so cool. And then they upgraded to text messaging. Anybody remember that? And then you started being able, your phone became a camera, and then your phone became apps, and then your phone had the web and had Google, and now you got so many apps. Here's the good news now. If you have certain phones and they have had their software updated, you're being traced. Amen. You're being traced. And some people say, that's good. Some people say, that ain't good. I, I don't even like my phone right now because it seems like you can be walking down the road and talk about something and you'll open up Facebook and there's an advertisement about it and say, how did they know that I was interested in that? How do they know? You open up an app and they'll ask you this question. Is it all right if we uh, check your location wherever you are? And you say, well, when I'm using the device. But it kind of, anybody ever get a little creeped out with these things? Can I get a yes from somebody? Like, yeah, I don't know if I want people watching me that. In fact, if you Google stuff and you, come on, if you're on your phone and you're looking at stuff you had not been, you have, you have no business looking at, Somebody else knows. Say, no, they don't. I erase my history. They still know. I know no, you aren't going to turn your phones in. I know you're not going to turn your phones in. I know you're not, but I, I want you to hear what I'm saying. Uh, Holy Spirit is a lot closer than your phone. He's a lot closer. He knows what you did last night. He knows where you were. He searches the hearts and minds. Am I right? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit is just keeping score. I'm not dragging us into some kind of legalistic discussion. I'm saying that Jesus, hear me, 
Jesus is deeply connected to you. He's not mildly connected. And by, by, and by the Holy Spirit, he draws us into this full, deep, loving relationship. It is a mega mystery when I tell you that you're a part of the body of the Lord Jesus. And out of that, you are in relationship with Christ, I want you to hear and catch this. I want you to discover this, how much it is. Your relationship with Christ is a marriage. Not like a marriage. Your marriage is like a marriage that you should have with Christ. Your greatest relationship is this. I am talking about Christ and the church. Now, I love my marriage. If you, if you know me, you know I love my marriage. I love, I tell her all the time. She tells me, I love being married to you. I mean, we're just goofy like that. I mean, we hold hands. We actually were holding hands. And I looked at her and said, I wonder how many hours we have held hands over the last 39 years that we've been married. We started adding up and averaging things and thinking, we, we need to, you know, we enjoy it. We don't even think about it. I mean, we'll just be holding hands. Why are you holding hands? I mean, sweaty outside. You know, your hands all sweaty. No, we don't mind the sweat. We like holding hands. And when it comes to marriage, I really love my marriage. I mean, I, when we first got married, I remember meeting a pastor friend of mine, Ansel and Donna Carter, and they just had such a spectacular marriage. And, and uh, I would talk to him about marriage, and he said, he said, well, Donna and I, we're professionals at marriage, you know. Uh, he uh, uh, is just about to celebrate, his, uh, he just celebrated his 98th. Uh, birthday, all right? He and Donna are still married. I mean, I think they've been married for 98 years. I don't know, but I just love it. But can I tell you, I love all of you and I love all your marriages. I just love mine better. I just, I love being married, baby. You know I do. When I say this, I am not sucking up. If it gets me points, hallelujah. But I'm going to say it anyway, all right? But I've seen a lot of marriages that I don't want my marriage to be nothing like. And marriages are becoming crazy. And much of it has to do with our cultural confusion regarding relationships and sexuality that has engulfed our world. And it's, you know, it's the current state of our crisis is we, we don't know what we believe, one, we don't know what we believe. Secondly, and because we don't know what we believe, we make it up as we go along. Amen. Because we think it will work. All right, now this is tough, but I mean, I don't think you could imagine this happening. I don't think you could even imagine what is about to transpire in front of you. I don't think you could imagine it happening. And it is theater. Okay, so I uh, just wanted to... Hey, beautiful. Hi, how you you doing? look nice. All dressed Thanks. up on the Sunday. Thanks. <laughs> Love you, darling. Love you too. Love you. Yeah. So, I, you know, I look pretty good. So, yeah. I guess we're going out, huh? Well, I can't tonight. You can't go? No. Wait, but we, wait, no, so I don't, wait, wait. We, I mean, we're all dressed up. Yeah, I know. And you smell good. Thank got you. Got new earrings on. Thanks, those are pretty. Thanks, I got thanks. those for you. Yeah. But, um, I had this guy call me the other night. He, we, I know him from college. Uh huh. And he invited me to go out. 
So another guy. Yeah. So we're going to go hang out and spend the evening together. But don't worry, I'll You're be back in time for breakfast, and we'll spend the day tomorrow together. Okay. I'm totally lost. Uh, she's so funny. What a good joke. I love your jokes. So you're joking. No. Because we're married and we're in a committed relationship together. I'm serious. And so we don't go out with other people. I'm serious. No, I'm very, no, you're not no, serious. I'm serious. No, you're not. See, I can't, you can't, I, I'm not going to abandon my relationships with the, the other guys just because we're married. So you're not going to abandon other relationships because we're married? That's what married people do. They abandon other relationships so they can be together. Sweetie. What is going on here? I love you. I love you. I love you so much. It's such a joke. I I love you more than those other boyfriends, though. So you love me more than your other boyfriends? Yeah. But I want you all to myself. Okay, I'll still be here for you. But let's be realistic. You can't expect me not to love them too. No! What are you clapping about? That is absolutely absurd. Now, you know, you might say, you know, at least, you know, I married a beautiful woman. She cooks for me. She actually does laundry. You know, I could have married somebody that wasn't motivated. And I'm still going to have her 90% of the time. Kind of sounds like our relationship with Jesus I'm, I'm calling, can I call you out? Can I call us out right now? I mean, it's, don't you know that in our culture, it is perfectly acceptable? It is totally acceptable in the world and in the church world that we live in today to love Jesus and have other lovers as long as we come back to him occasionally on a Sunday. Amen. Amen. Ah, come on. The problem is, is... What happened in this situation violates the covenant of holy marriage. Can I teach you this? When a woman puts on a beautiful white gown and walks down the aisle to her husband, at that particular moment, she is communicating something significant. She is saying goodbye to all other intimate relationships with every other man, every other individual on the planet. She is terminating all past relationships with boyfriends as well as declaring that there will be not any new relationships with any other future lovers from that day forward. Why is that so difficult to understand? And and the man waiting at the altar in the front of the aisle is saying the same thing. Only you and only me for the rest of our lives. (laughs) 
How would you respond if you ran into a situation like this? What if you were going down the aisle and she pulled you down, by, by, uh, down to herself and whispers, oh, by the way, just wanted to let you know, I'm going to be a wonderful lover to you, but I'm also going to have my former lovers with me. You would say, ain't no way. If this is so, can I ask you, why would we ask Jesus to be any different towards us? Here's that teaching in, in Ephesians 5.31. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one. This is a profound mystery. But, but, I am talking about Christ and the church. There are no other relationships more important than this one, the one with Christ. Not even your mama and your daddy. There are no other relationships more important. And the, the whole history, the mystery of marriage is to remind you, how do you love one another? Love Christ that way. Don't work in your relationship. Why do you think it should work in this relationship? Let me help you with this mystery by telling you the best marriage is Jesus and the church. The first marriage is to Jesus by the church. Let me help you with this mystery. The marriage covenant has always been intended not only to bless us, but also to be illustrative toward us. And let, let me add to this mega mystery. Why is it that when it comes to our relationship with Christ... We not only excuse, but we also encourage this type of behavior that I would just, listen, don't worry. Jesus is not going to have a problem with that. Don't you worry about that. What do you mean you can't do? What do you mean that you can't be unforgiving? Jesus will figure it out. Wait, wait, wait. I can help you with your relationship with God right now. I can help you fall head over hills in love with the one who died for you on the cross to wash you and to cleanse you and to purify you. Love him more than anyone else. I'm talking about my wife and I every morning. And I've taught you this every morning. If you, when you get up with your husband or wife, look at them and say, good morning. I love you. Every morning, you say, well, that's just weird. She might have bad breath. <laughs> say it anyway. Kiss one another. Hold hands. Talk to one another. Check in. Become a student of your husband. Become a student of your wife. That's what you're doing. It's discovering those first few years, those first few weeks, you're becoming more and more of a student. You know what she loves. You know what he loves. You know their favorite flavors. You know their favorite colors. You know what they really, really like. You are just caught up in that. If you're not caught up in that, there could be a little issue right there. You say, well, that's beautiful. Thank you for that encouragement. If you love Jesus, know what he loves. Amen. Know what he likes. Know what his favorite flavor is. Know what his color is. Come on, you understand what I'm saying? Know Jesus and in your life. Don't ever, are you ever at that place with your husband and your wife where you don't know where they are and you really don't care? Are you ever in that place with Jesus? Where it's like, yeah, I must, I'm saved. I haven't talked to Jesus in like six months, but Easter's coming up, and I guess I'll go now. That is not a relationship. That is not a marriage. You're just having a fling with Jesus when you want to be a little more happy. Ever sing that fast song so we can all dance? And, and 
I'm not asking you to date Jesus on the side. Pastor, you're preaching today. We're living in the season of really strong language. So grateful for our people here at Freedom. And I'm so grateful for the unity. Anybody thankful for the unity that we have here at Freedom? I'm especially grateful for the diversity of Freedom Fellowship. Anybody thankful for the diversity? And that God created that in this fellowship. God built that amongst us. I love that while the rest of the world may be in struggle, and I hate that they're in struggle, I still know the answer to the racial crisis in the United States. Can I tell you the answer? Jesus. Jesus. So because when you continually try to change your behavior, but yet you do not have a spiritual compass in your life, you will continue to do what you want to do and you'll fall back to old things. But when you are born again, all the old things are dead. Behold, all things are new. You become a new creature and you're in relationship with the Lord Jesus. I really, I really know. I just wish, you know, that's why Martin Luther's speech was so spectacular because he had a dream. He had a vision. It was a a godly dream, a godly vision. And it was that one day little, little white boys, little girls would be holding each other by the hand and shouting, singing, free at last, free at last. Thank God almighty. But even though it was important for everybody to march, all of the messages were not whole. Because when someone stands up and says, we have to have civil rights. And while we're saying this, let's not forget our trans brothers and our trans sisters. And There is a great difference between civil rights and sinful rights. The LGBTQ agenda should not be connected to civil rights. It is not godly, it is not righteous, and God does not smile on it. And as believers, we should not be waving the flag. Because we are in relationship with a God who is awesome and righteous and holy. We are in a relationship with Jesus, and we submit ourselves to Him in everything. We are here to serve Him and to love Him and to live for Him. And you say, well, I think this might be right. I didn't tell you to hate people who are struggling. I told you not to sign on. We love people no matter. And if you're in this room and struggling with same-sex attraction, I love you and I care for you and I want you to be set free. And there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end will be destruction. And you might say, but I was born this particular way. I'm telling you, you can be born again. And I'm also telling you that sometimes even those feelings that you have, just like the rest of us, we have to crucify the flesh and say, you will not rule me you will not control me I surrender my life to my groom Jesus I'm a part of the church of the living God I said that sometimes I see people using the Bible for their own purposes sometimes it's the action of just toning it down and making it more acceptable to everyone 
It's not all the other stuff that you will post on your social media, but you won't post that Jesus is the Lord. Jesus. Sometimes it's just an all-out misrepresentation of God's word. Somewhere we shifted from a relationship with God to a commercialized gospel that suggests that God somehow misplaced his holiness. Like he dropped it somewhere during creation. I'm holy, but I don't know where that went. Grace. The reason grace exists is because God is holy. Without his grace, we would never be able to be accepted as sons and daughters into the family. Without his grace, without his grace, you would be bound to the law. But God, in his grace, saved me. Listen, Jesus is not a lonely savior who needs friends. Just sitting around on the right hand of the Father. You know, I wish I had a buddy. I would do anything. I Look, I will take off my white robe of righteousness and just be one of the guys. He's not that way. Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the sacrificed Lamb of God who died on the cross and rose again after three days and ascended to the Father and sits at the right hand ever making intercession for you and me. And He is also coming again one day. And this time He will not come as a gentle Lamb. He is coming back and He is coming with righteousness in His hands. Does anybody know the rest of the story? Or did you just read episode one? He's dealing with our church right now. When you read the word of God in James, you see he's dealing with a church community that may look like we read in the words of James. He wants us to look that way. Look at at what he says in verse three. He says, your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. And then he makes this statement loudly. You adulterers. You're fooling around with somebody else. Because you want pleasure. Now basically what that is. Is idolatry. Can I get an amen from someone? That's the reason you make gods. So that you can continue in your pleasure. And still feel righteous. That's why there are so many false gods and false religions because they are all founded upon idolatry. I'm going to tell you this in case you do not know. There is only one way and it is Jesus. There is not another way. Muhammad is not another way. Can I tell you? And there is only one truth and it is the living word of God. No, the the latter day saints have a wrong Bible and Joseph Smith was a false prophet. Even so, though I saw two guys in white shirts driving their bicycles back again in town. I, I want you to know that that is a lie. I want you to know that Jehovah's Witnesses are also liars. I want you to know that the doctrine of Charles Taze Russell is a lie. I also want you to know that there might be some nuggets that you can pull from from something that Gandhi said. But Gandhi did not serve Jesus. He's talking about Gandhi. You feel how nervous you're getting? Because when you get accustomed to accepting other lovers, sooner or later you start to make excuses and defend them. Listen, I love Oprah, but she is not my pastor. 
Back door open, dear. He says, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you, you want to read this with me, makes you an enemy of God? And then he says it again. I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. I mean, the rest of the scripture says, do you think that the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. If we really take to heart what James has stated, it will cause us to tremble in a spiritually healthy way. Here's what the Bible is saying. A Christian or a church whose loyalty is divided between God and the world is an adulterer. I didn't do nothing. It's a strong world. He's saying when we give our love and affection to this world and to the systems of the world, to the ways of a broken world, we end up in a dangerous and unblessed relationship with God. There's a lot of things that we do. Anybody gossiped lately? No? Just three of us? Okay, all right, so. Anybody been rude? Come on. I mean, anybody, anybody taking advantage of a situation so that you could get a little extra for yourself? Okay, pay me back next week. All right. Listen, I'm not saying that anything should be treated lightly. What I'm saying is nothing is so severe as adultery. Amen. When I talk about relational brokenness, much of what I deal with is it's a son or a daughter who is still trying to get over what happened in their childhood. It's individuals that have been broken over and over again. Generation, am I preaching the truth? Where's my living waters, people? Over and over again, I'm telling you that there is nothing as severe. And the apostle James continues by saying that in, in spirit, being a spiritual adulterer, we make ourselves an enemy of God, an enemy of God. He keeps saying that. And, and these are incredibly strong words, but, but, but what, what do we mean? God is, God's grace is so great, he doesn't make himself an enemy of us. That's right. He never will make himself your enemy, but it is a possibility for you to make him your enemy. Explain. Does anybody know the anniversary that's coming up in about 10 or 11 days, 10 days, September the 11th? Anybody remember September 11th? 9-11. What did we forget about 9-11? Do you remember 9-11? Do you remember what year it took place? 2001. September 11th, 2001. And what happened on that day? What happened? Was, was anybody remember? Wave at me. Do you remember? Okay, how many of you knew about Osama bin Laden before that day? Some of you knew about him before 9-11? How many knew Al-Qaeda before that day? Okay. How many knew about Osama bin Laden after that day? How many knew about Al-Qaeda after that day? Do you know why? Because when they committed that atrocious act, they transitioned by, from being some little friend, something, something going on, into enemies of the United States. We did not sun, suddenly make them our enemy. They made themselves our enemy. And when the Japanese 
when they bombed Pearl Harbor, it was a nation that did not want to go to war. But in order for righteousness to prevail, it's like we can't have you just coming over here and bombing Pearl Harbor. It's exactly what James is saying. You can make yourself an enemy of God. God doesn't take pleasure in opposing you. But somebody thank God for his will and his way. Thank God. Because some of you would have never turned back to him. But when you entered into relationship, oh, you're not getting this. You understand. When we're talking about those that do not know Christ, that's not who we're talking about here. We're not talking about individuals that you say, well, I'm not like all those sinners out there. I'm talking about individuals who have surrendered their life to Jesus Christ, who have entered into a covenant relationship with him, but now they got a little something on the side. It is out of that that God in his mercy and his grace says, if you're going to live that way, then you're not going to be able to live in a healthy manner in my house that way. I mean, it's one thing. Ah, You're not catching this, are you? You're catching this? Because all we want to talk about is grace. This is grace. How many in this room would not be here if you had not been broke enough, God put you were in a situation. You said, I can't, this is not working and this is not working. And you remembered back when you were a child and you surrendered your life to Jesus and his covering and his grace came upon you and he draws you. And it may seem like he delivered you over to the devil for a little while. And when he has finished that work, you come back and you say, I need my relationship. And you verbally confess that you want to be right with God. Looks like this literally. The world is motivated by self-desire. In 1 John 2 and 16, the apostle writes, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in, the, in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but they are from the world. Amen. Put that on your refrigerator. Amen. What he's saying is adultery is the intense desire towards what brings pleasure and self-worth without God. It's wanting your own way rather than God's way. Wanting everything for yourself. It's the posture of our culture today. If it feels good, do it. If it brings you pleasure, do it. It doesn't matter what people say. Don't don't let anybody bully you and tell you that that's not God's word for your life. If it makes me profit, then embrace it. It is the overlooking of those who are hurting, the broken, those that are in need, those that are hungry. It is the lack of concern for those things that concern God. And again, I say, in fact, it is adultery. Stand with me while I can preach this and finish this. Man, a hellfire brimstone preacher today. Hallelujah. So let me close with this. I want to tell you about God's mega answer. We talked about adultery, but God has a mega answer. In James 4 and 6, he says this. Read it with me. But he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Somebody shout more grace. Okay. Has anybody ever been to dinner and you had like that memo, that grandmother? You went, you you ate something and she walked up and said, you need some more? 
Hold your hands out. Hold your hands out. While I was preaching, some of you felt the beautiful longing of Jesus to be back in right relationship with him. And you say, well, what do I do? James 4 and 10, read that with me. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. He's got some more grace for you. Not just the grace that saved you, but he's got grace that will remove everything that you've been involved in in your life. That, Come on, aren't you glad that he never stopped forgiving you? Anybody thankful that the blood of Jesus did not stop flowing, that it still flows and still cleanses those who call upon it? You've been in a bad relationship with Jesus. You say, well, I can't go back to Jesus after I failed him so much. Hold your hands out and say, say this. Kind of reminds me of, anybody remember that old Christmas movie, Charles Dickens, Oliver Twist. Anybody remember Oliver? The opening scene. More, please. More, please. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. I even gave the accent. He still didn't get it. More, please. Come on, hold your hands up to the Lord. Hold your hands up to the Lord. No matter where you have been in relationship with him. And say more, please. Just say more, please. God's grace is greater than our adultery. God's grace is greater than our sin. And when we humble ourselves, he has more than enough grace to restore us into right relationship with Him. Humble yourself. Say, say, Lord, I humble myself before You. In other words, I'm not coming in making excuses. Lord, But you know how it was. I didn't have any... I make no excuses. I call my past exactly what it is. I'm going to stop making excuses. Well, at least I wasn't as adulterous as that guy or that girl. No. I humble myself under the almighty hand of God. And I receive more grace. Somebody say it again. More grace. Humble yourself and he will lift you up. Refuse arrogance. Refuse greed. Refuse bitterness. Come on, refuse bitterness. Refuse unforgiveness. I would serve God, but you don't know what they did to me at that other pastor. Forgive that other church. Forgive them. Let them go. It's about you and Jesus. I humble myself. I insist on forgiveness. I insist. I insist. I love that he says, yourselves, humble yourselves. He doesn't say humble yourself. So I'm speaking to all of us as the church, the church, a humble church. God will lift up. If we humble ourselves, he will lift us up. He is stirring us up. He is stirring up. Humility is stirring up a loving, beautiful relationship with us and almighty God. Come close to God. He says in verse 8, come close to God and He and God will come close to you. You say, I can't come close to God. You don't know what I've done. No, this is what he's saying. As wrong as you have been, 
Come close to God anyway. Come close to your awesome, fearful God and humble yourselves. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Just come to Him. Come, 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 come to the Lord. Come to Him. He has, he has baskets. He has, he has rooms full. He has heaven filled with grave. Grace, just come to Him. All you who are weary, all of you who are heavy laden, come. Come, come to him. He says, and I will give you rest. Come, come. All of this reminds us as a church of the great scripture of 2 Chronicles 7, 13. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, if I command the locusts to devour the land or send plague among my people, Let me just parenthetically throw this in. When you're tired of the locusts, when you're tired of the plagues, when you're tired of living and placing yourself as an enemy of God, when you're tired of that, humble yourself. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their adultery, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear say that then will I hear I haven't heard seek him then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land thank you Lord Jesus are you ready anybody ready let's humble ourselves you're in this mood right now you're in this is there anybody in this place that knows Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior wave at me say Jesus is my Lord shout it Jesus is my Lord say it. Jesus is the Lord he's my Lord here's the mystery here's the mystery you ready guys gals whoever you are we're part of the church we are the bride of Christ You said he's your Lord, but you don't understand that too well because in our culture, when you got married a week ago, you didn't look over him and said, I'm so glad to be with you, my Lord. That wouldn't have made sense in our culture, would it? Culturally, this would have made much more sense. We are the church of the Lord Jesus. Call him Lord. I worship you as my Lord. You are my groom. Come on, guys. You have to say this too. You are my groom. He is the groom. That's why John 14 says, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you I'm going to prepare a place. And then when it's prepared, I will come again and I will receive you as the bride to myself because I don't want to be separated from you. It's the the words of a groom to the bride. Tell him, I love you, my groom. It feels awkward, doesn't it? I leave everyone else. I leave the pleasures of this world. I leave, and you might say, but I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I'm not calling you to that. I'm calling you into right relationship when you're in right relationship with God. Truth is revealed. 
when you're in wrong relationship with Christ, you can't even read the Bible because you will rewrite it for your own pleasure. How many have done it before? Anybody done it for you? Just me? Anybody ever written it for your own pleasure? So you're saved? He is your Lord. Okay. The bottom of this cup opens and you can take the bread. Hold it in your hand. Do you feel like you're coming back to Christ? Anybody coming back to Christ in a better way than you did before you came to church? Shout it again. He's the Lord. And he wants to be one with us. That's why we receive the supper. It is about oneness with each other and oneness with Christ. This bread is my body. Broken for you. I want you to receive my body. The body of Christ. Receive it. This cup, Jesus says, is my blood. Remember, we read in James, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. A sacrifice, offering his body, his blood. This is my blood that washes you clean of all your sins, the blood of the new covenant. I want to be one with him. Receive it. Receive the cup. I love you. Is Freedom Fellowship a humble church? Are we humble? We're humble, aren't we? We're not better than anybody else. We're just saved. Some of you, while I was preaching today, something clicked in your heart and you thought to yourself, I need to seek the Lord. Now listen. Here's more of what James says. He also teaches us this. Not only should we come to him, but we should confess to one another. We should confess our brokenness. Don't keep it a secret anymore. I have some prayer workers who will be here in the front. They'll all be in masks and will be glad to minister to you. So if you would like to pray and talk to somebody they're right here but would you do this for me before this day is over heal your relationship with Jesus through confession repentance which is all under the heading of this one word humility humility say it humility therefore confess your sins to each other pray for each other so that you may be healed prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. So prayer workers, come and stand to my right. Father, we thank you. Let's lift our hands and thank you. Father, we thank you for what you have taught us today. We thank you for your holy word. I bless my congregation, dear Lord, this precious gift. And Lord, we stand united together now. We are your children. We are your bride. We love you and we choose to serve you with all of our hearts. 
how we love you, Jesus, and we worship you in Christ's name. Those of you that would like to pray, please, there are altar workers that are here. They're going to be standing here to my right, and you can come and meet with one of them if you would like to meet with somebody and talk with them. If you're sick and you would like healing, if, if you're concerned, you have something, some kind of need in your body, they will pray for you. Come swiftly, come swiftly. As we are dismissed, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. God bless you. Peace go with you. You are dismissed. If you want prayer, please come. There are those that will pray.